0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another epic edition of the Cybersecurity Matters Podcast. I'm your lovable co-host, Dominic Vogel, and joining me, as always, is Mr. Warmth himself, Christian Redshaw. Christian, how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. I wish I was somewhere warmer. It's (laughs) sunny here, but it's still a little cool. Yes. (laughs) I think that may be uh, an indicator of the guest that we're going to be having on today. It was. Um, It was a setup. Yeah, it was. (laughs) It was all intentionally (laughs) planned. Uh, Today on the show, we're having Sherry St. Marie. She is uh, based in Naples, Florida, which... I imagine it's beautiful this time of year, uh, much more so than <laughs> where we are. Um, and uh, she's going to be uh, talking to us about real estate, real estate trends, and uh, real estate investment. I think it's it's a conversation we've never had on the show before. We may not even get to cybersecurity at all, but that's okay. That's okay. We need a break in the that's action okay. sometimes. That's okay. I, I find real estate very interesting, as I know Same. you do as well. So I think this will be an interesting conversation. So we'll take a momentary pause, and we'll have Sherry come on. Let's do it. Sherry, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. How are you doing?
1: It's my pleasure. I'm always awesome, Dominique, and I am (laughs) thrilled to be with you. I like you for lots of reasons, um, but I also love that you're giving your people some interesting different things to Think about and know and help themselves in their life. So
0: it's awesome. I appreciate you saying that, Sharon. It um, goes without saying you're one of my favorite people. I've, I've been able to connect with and develop a friendship with on on LinkedIn. Very grateful. Very grateful for you coming on the podcast. And um, I thought maybe we could just start off with uh, so you can um, tell our listeners and viewers a bit more about yourself, or sort of maybe share a bit of your personal and career narrative today.
1: Yeah, so I'm a little bit interesting, you know way back in the day, I started out as a high school marketing teacher and got laid off with budget cuts, um, which was a lot of fun. And I had just built my dream house. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with myself? Right. And so I found myself in real estate with three children um, at the time, four and under. Can you imagine? And I had to hide them. So like you couldn't know I had kids or I wouldn't get hired today. It's much better, but I have actually been a real estate broker for 19 years. Um, I was primarily in uh, Middleton, Wisconsin, and uh, was able to raise my kids, get them off to college and all that kind of great stuff. And in 2018, I started coming down to Naples, Florida, and then started working on my business down here, and I'm a broker here now, and um, also Airbnb Superhost and all kinds of different things. I also work outside of the area of real estate into um, consulting of business owners and as a speaker in certain capacities. So keep myself entertained. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then for our listeners and viewers, if you're not following Sherry on uh, on LinkedIn, please please do share. Uh, please do check her out and follow her content and our other social media as well, which will which will include on on, on our uh, our post. But um, Sherry, you know, I, I, maybe just to start off with, I'm. Especially being here in Vancouver, where, where we are, um, you know, real estate market here is, for lack of a better term, nuts, um, you know, and, and just prices are just going up. I'm, I'm curious in terms of maybe just high level trends in terms of what you're seeing in terms of hot spots in North America for real estate. Um, where are some of those hotspots and why is the market sort of becoming hot in those areas?
1: What's interesting is that we have always had a really strong group of um, Canadians in particular, but internationals a lot in Southwest Florida. So there's actually almost 23% that are internationals um, technically in the Southwest Florida area. Um, they, of course, are across the country in lots of places. But I can tell you, even where I live, um, I have almost 20 2% Canadian neighbors wow. right, right outside my door. <laughs> and so I know a lot about this, and a lot of them I felt so bad weren't able to travel so easily during COVID, right? To get down to the properties that they owned and some of the trends that are happening. But it's probably similar to what you're seeing right now. Our market is so incredibly hot in cert- lots of parts of the United States, but certain parts in particular. So areas across the country, we have the greatest migration in the United States that we've had since 1929. Why we should be listening or paying attention to that is it wasn't just about um, where do I get a better lifestyle? It became a situation of right, our work got shut down for a certain number of years. People were looking at more than just survival. They were looking at how do I stay healthy? How do I keep my family okay? Where are the opportunities? but now we're two years into this thing and where the hotspots are is a lot of the places that have two different options. One would be where they have a huge tax benefit. So we are seeing people in the United States very much going to um, Arizona, Texas, Florida because there's no state income tax. And so it's not just individuals moving there, it is also companies. So we've had a massive influx as an example into Florida more than we've ever had before Naples, Florida is the number one in expense. It's expensive, but it is also the number one in terms of desired real estate in the country right now. And I just by chance having no clue got here in 2018, (laughs) not having a clue what was going to happen. Right. But it's not made it such an easy market. So let's talk about like what's what's hot and crazy is everybody wants to talk about, geez, are we going to have the bubble we had in 2008? No. In 2008, we were having people that shouldn't have qualified for a mortgage in the first place be qualified because there was no um, document checks or anything like that. Now we are dealing with money influxing into certain places. So what's happening in particular right where I'm at in Southwest Florida and also Miami as an example, people with money are flying in. And so they can buy anything they want to, and I can have seven of what we thought was expensive here or what I still needing a mortgage might be able to do. And so a lot of places are cash only. And even if it's cash only, whether you're at 250,000, which thank you, I just won one of those the other day, which is (laughs) harder than heck to get, to uh, millions, there's other multiple bidders that are cash and that's kicking out all of the um, mortgage-needing people respectfully and here's just another example, the interest rates in the past, the, the feds have raised them to slow down the market. Put this to your really intelligent audience because I know who that, that's who you've got. When you do that, right now in particular, you're not only slowing down the market, what you're doing is knocking out every single person who needed a mortgage and opening up the feeding frenzy for all your investors, particularly your investors with cash to own way more of the United States than we ever have in our history. And nobody's watching that. So it's great if you've got money. It's great if you're an investor and people are coming in here because it's not slowing down. The money's padding it where we're not going to have you know, so much of a difficulty. Our bigger issues are going to be where do the people live who need to work for the people who want to be here, here being anywhere. Um, and then the opposite is there are people going from California to Wisconsin because they can buy 10 acres and a house in peace and quiet and good schools and whatever compared to what they were doing. So it's really interesting. We've never seen the real estate market like this, and everybody's trying to pretend historic things keep happening. This is different.
0: Wow. That's terrific insight and wisdom, Sherry. We appreciate you sharing that. Uh,
2: Likewise. And and in terms of the Airbnb scene in uh, Florida, I know you have some involvement there. What is that scene right now?
1: Yeah. So I actually started in Airbnb in 2018. I was afraid to do it. My son actually is who encouraged me. So he was going to be going to college in commercial real estate and um, finance. And he's like, mom, you're starting to go to Florida. Why wouldn't you just take our primary house and play a game and think about how do I get the real estate taxes paid by bringing in Airbnb guests when I'm not here? And I was nervous about it, but I got into it and really super appreciated it. I went from having people just for a weekend and I'd go over to a friend's house or to my mom's, you know, cause I didn't want to stay in the house with the guests, which you can, um, to, then we went on to having people for a week at a time. Then we went months at a time because I'm more in Florida and I am now at the place where I take six months, um, guests in my Wisconsin house. And then I'm down here these times. Why it's phenomenal is the flexibility of Airbnb. So for me, I'm able to maintain my house. It's not good for these houses to sit empty. Florida has so many empty houses. A lot of people that choose to have more than one, they're letting it sit empty. That's not good for houses. It's not good for crime. It's not good for your pipes moving, which is exciting. um, And your appliances and all that kind of stuff. So there are a lot of people, even my multimillionaires, who've caught on to the Airbnb market in terms of using your asset better, having some business write-offs about that business that you're running, and then you're able to flex and hold two different lifestyle things while you're also um, helping it pay for itself, which is pretty fantastic.
2: That is so cool. And you have a course on that very subject, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yes, I do. So I actually teach one not for every other course I see out there is for the person who wants 100 Airbnbs. I don't want that. I would love to get eventually five, but I have one today, and my one is running really great. So my course is actually um how to be a super host for the micro beginner. And the little modules are anything from two minutes to seven minutes, and really within just um short afternoon, you really could be up and running, but your total novice could be up and running within two days if they want to. Using that course, the biggest thing I want to say though is you need to check with your municipality. So some cities aren't allowing the um, Airbnb is a brand. So Airbnb is like saying Nike or Verbo is Adidas. So Airbnb is the brand I choose to really promote. Um, they're all good options, but you do want to check with your city and your if you have um, deed restrictions in your neighborhood. But if you have that or you need a permit, which I have permits for mine, it's super easy. It's a great way to make money. It's how I'm hanging on to a house. Well, my children finish up college and I'm not sure am I going back there or not going back there, but I earn three times more as an Airbnb host than as a landlord.
2: Really interesting. And something that I'm, my, my mind caught onto there. You're talking about how you're teaching a course and your background is teaching. Are there other ways in what you do that you've been able to leverage and apply your teaching experience (laughs)
1: You ask a great question. I should be doing it 100% more than I am. I have the ability, I could pop on if somebody wants to help me with the tech side because that's my challenge. If they would like to help me with the tech side, I can pop on and teach probably 100 different courses by the time we get to September Um, because that part's easy for me. I'm not as much the tech piece. But what I'm going to do, at least in real estate this summer, going through LinkedIn, but I'll also do it on my Facebook business page, I'm gonna do a weekly podcast that's just real estate on all of the um, interesting things uh, different things people don't think about insight whether you've owned a lot of homes or not and not do it like regular um, other agents do just as one point but i'm always open for give me a topic on a class because i can pull it together really easy
2: well i gotta say I, before i actually officially pass it on to dominic again i know a lot of realtors and you're my favorite one so far for sure <laughs> oh,
1: thank you So much. Well, listen like this is my funny joke i'm like um, lawyers stressed me out. Like I was afraid of lawyers for only because I used to be a teacher. Right. And so then you get in the mode of like, well, I want to do the right thing. And I don't want to get in trouble. And I'm like, they stressed me out. I'm like, nope, you know, realtors can be some of the greatest, best people, but how I go about it is not at all like that. I'm the antithesis of the stereotype. That's why,
2: that's why I words. think I'm, I'm sensing that vibe. <laughs>
1: well, I appreciate that. So here's me like, okay, I want to tell you something real fast. My client that I just got this mo- finished up with this morning, the price point is two hundred and fifty thousand. That's almost impossible in Fort Myers, Florida. We've been working for four months to try to find this property. If you would just ask me to go, based on my time as a realtor and nineteen years' experience, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. What happened was that referral came from one of my high school marketing students, who is now forty years old and still with Miss Martell on social media. <laughs> down one of her best friends who's a broker in Wisconsin. Well, I'm going to make sure I do a really good job. A lot of agents when you come down here will go, oh, don't worry about the hurricanes. they will be just fine. Well, I'm sorry. I've lived through three so far. They are a big deal. I would like to know a little bit about it before I'm coming into the area, right? And so I just go about it as a humanist um, and as a, like, I care. I treat you like family and friends, right? But I'm also, you know, pretty knowledgeable and look at it differently than some other people. So it's fun. Um, but usually I don't tell people I'm a realtor. <laughs> well,
0: thank you for being the antithesis of, 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 the, uh, of a realtor. You know, and like Christian was saying, it's uh, at least here in Vancouver, there's, it's very hard to find uh, caring and empathetic <laughs> um, uh, realtors. So uh, you thank know, you for putting words to my feelings. It, there. It's, it's somewhat it's like ironic.
1: It's the word fiduciary, which yes. is not so exciting, but fiduciary means you've legally hired me to do what's in your best interest and cover your back. And so I just take that seriously. That's all. But we have we have fun, you know. And I know a lot of people see my fun side, but I also am able to be incredibly professional and very smart. You just don't always see that. Yeah. Well,
0: it's it's funny that our favorite realtor is literally on the other side of the continent. So, <laughs> but um, one more quick question for you, Sherry. Um, I'm curious, you know, um, for our, our our listeners and viewers, and if they're thinking about growing their real estate portfolio from an investment perspective, and you mentioned Airbnb, what are other options? How could they maybe start looking at expanding that investment side of their portfolio? Where, where, Where would you recommend they start?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, one thing I would ask your really smart audience to look at is look up 1031 exchange. That's a great word for somebody to know. It might seem like a little bit big to start with, but that is the greatest tax savings that a lot of people can do. You can't do it with your primary residence. So your primary residence, usually your best advantage is to be able to have um, it written off as your homestead, where you live it's your you get one primary residence, right? And you're able to have a tax savings where you're gonna sell it for more than what you bought it for. And there's a certain amount of money in the United States, it's 250,000 if you're single, 500,000 if you're married. That you don't have to in the home you live in pay taxes on when you sell it. When you go into your next second home that you want to own or buy or your investment, you can't use that as that same write off, but you can get your first one. And some people use equity out of their first home. Others feel like that feels too scary and they're just going to go do an, um, a regular down payment on it. But when you go to sell that, you can put it into a 1031 exchange. And all that really is is a legal holding tank. And that way I can take this little house I bought on Apple Street and I cannot pay all the taxes on it. I put it into this holding tank after I close and identify a new investment property I want to buy. Instead, I'm going to upgrade a little bit. And I have 45 days to do that and put the money in there instead of bringing it into my pocket. You don't pay tax on that transfer, you know, eventually when you're at the end game and totally done and want to sell all your investments, you'll pay tax, but you don't pay it if you use a 1031 exchange. There's an example of something to look up or take a look at. There's also things that are, people are doing that I don't do as much, but they are a very doable thing in real estate. And it's called rent arbitrage, where some people are not even owning the asset and they are Airbnb-ing something that they have a lease on. That is something that's possible. It's for the person that has a little bit more of a stomach of risk. You know, Um, I choose myself not to do it, but there's all these super cool things you can do that aren't a normal everyday conversation that really could help people a lot. Um, Especially when we have all these different things to do and pay for, right, of retirement and children going to college and all this great stuff.
0: Sherry, thank you so much for your high energy wisdom and just uh, for your candor. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today and uh, entertaining and engaging and educating uh, both Christian and I and, and our viewers and listeners. That was a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much. It's
1: always my pleasure and I appreciate everything you guys are doing. And I love the fact that you're putting out this much free content that helps people transition it into something else. So I'm happy to contribute. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Christian and I will be right back uh, to wrap up today's episode. That was a fantastic conversation. You know, um, you can tell Sherry had been a teacher in her prior life, just the way. Yes. The ease in which she was explaining things, the way she was communicating. Um, you could tell that teaching was in her blood. Um, yes. What, what, what was one of your key takeaways?
2: Well, it's in your blood too. So, that's oh. why it re- resonates so much with you. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my takeaway, other than her having great taste in uh, naming, ch- naming her children. children. <laughs> and. Um, being my favorite realtor, you know, I'm more curious than anything about this course that she has on Air, being an Airbnb super host and what she does with consulting for businesses, yes. business owners. Yes.
0: Right. Um, just, it was just, just such great wisdom. Like I said, just the ease in which she explained things right, that anyone could understand. You know, And I, I appreciate her approach to that. But I, I thought it was very interesting. It you was know, sort of the, the trends, how she was say, uh, sharing about how we're seeing very different migration within both the US Mm -hmm. and Canada as well where you have people going to warmer climates, you have people going to tax havens, but you also have people leaving states like California for states like Wisconsin, right? Wisconsin. <laughs> right? Things which in years past have of that. would be been unheard of. So it's been it's really interesting to, to hear what she shared around that. But uh, we're very grateful to, to Sherry for taking time out of her, her day to, to to join us on the podcast today. And as always, a uh, very special thank you to our loyal listeners and uh, viewers uh, for joining us each and every week. Uh, if you did miss an episode, please do check out the Cybersecurity Matters YouTube page or listen to us on your favorite podcasting platform. Uh, But until next time, be well, be safe, and we will see you again next time on the Cybersecurity Matters Podcast.